Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey there, welcome back. It's Friday and uh, end of the week. It is. End like of the work it. week. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah. Depends yeah. on what work week you, you go by. Well, that's true. For most of our <laughs> listeners, end of the work week. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of as our work week is <laughs> ratcheting it up to the yeah. to the end. Ours crescendos at the end. Like right. There's this major crash. Uh, in a lot of ways, actually. There's a crash. There's a crescendo. <laughs> and then Monday comes around for us, and, and we're kind of basically dead. <laughs> that's true. Man, Sunday afternoon comes along, and it's like, okay, Dude, I'm I out. I love my Sunday naps. I'm out. If Plugging back them. in. I need to be recharged. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But church is so good, man. This uh, we we haven't talked about it really, but this last weekend, the the baptisms that Sunday, it was just such a good, sweet time with our church family. It was, man, and everyone came out too. I was yeah. just so pleased by that. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, so man, I can't wait to our next ones already. Yeah, shout out to Frisco First uh, Frisco First Baptist. Yep, that's for it. hosting us. Yeah, and they had a they had a great student ministry room. And yep. they had a baptismal still in there. So I heard the water was really warm. Such a great temperature. It was. Uh, Except the pastor was complaining about it for some reason, but otherwise it's great. It wasn't outside like we originally planned. That's true. I was so thankful for that man. As cold as I was in that tank, I was like, at least we're not outside. Yeah, it, it would have been bitter cold. Could have been pretty bad. Yeah. The the, the funny the the thing that was called uh, the thing the machine that was keeping the water warm yeah. was called the baptismatic. I saw that. Did you see that baptismatic? Yeah. Like, yeah. Where do I get us a baptismatic? I don't know. I feel like some Southern Baptist pastor has Probably, that on his pulpit yeah, somewhere. It's somewhere. like baptismatic. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's his nickname. Yeah. Hey, I was watching a, uh, a a YouTube review of a mechanical keyboard and it just reminded me of what a nerd I am. Pastor, what's what's your biggest nerd thing? Like what do you nerd out on that people would be like, "Really? Productivity." For sure. For okay, sure. But, th- but that's such a broad, that's that's a punt. Really? Like, that's like, okay, that's, thought, a, that's a broad. I don't know, man. I go, the, the, the hole goes pretty deep. People, I, if you ask, like, I, I, there's, a, there's a process for everything. I, I have, okay, so here's, here's I guess, something that's related to that within that camp. Um, I, I have a keyboard mapping software that allows me to remap my keyboard so I can create shortcuts by hitting certain key combinations. Yes. So a shortcut, for instance, I can, uh, I can open up my Amazon order page with a, let's see, one, two, three, with three strokes. And it'll just take me right there. Um, I can open up window combinations based on a couple keyboard strokes. I mean, stuff like that. The little little things that I'm like, oh, that's really helpful. Yeah. I took time to do that. Yeah. And I did that maybe five years ago and it maintains itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's intense, man. I'm I'm like listening to like keyboard sound tests on, on YouTube. <laughs> this and one like, makes this kind of click. Yeah. <laughs> click, click, click. No, no lie though. I mean, there's a whole thing out there. Yeah. Yeah, in tech. I'm big in tech. Like, Oh, I think we're on the same. Marquez Brownlee, like I'll watch yeah, almost anything that he puts out. I'm, I'm just, I'm like, okay, I'm there. I want to yeah. listen. I want to, I want to read about this. Everybody's been talking about the Apple Vision Pro because that just was, was yeah. released not long really ago. Really heavy. And, that's what yeah, I heard. That's the review that I'm hearing too. Really, really heavy. As well as uh, some of these guys are like, I, I think the only reasonable use case for it for the majority of people right now is media consumption. Yeah. movies, you know, photos, things like that. Consumer, not creator stuff. Right. I don't know, man. I, I, so the cool thing that I love, obviously, obviously. Multiple monitors. It's like 17 screens in front of you. Right. Connected to your MacBook. Dude, I, I think that, I, I don't know, man. I, I can't prophesy, but that would be one use case that I, I salivate about. Right. Well, the thing's 3,500 bucks, which I, I've also heard that they're, they're, the conspiracies behind that is that they didn't want to release a developer-only model because of how that would look. 
but they really don't want the average consumer buying this model because it won't be as good, right? Because they're okay. trying to because they don't have stuff developed for it. That yet. makes sense. That makes sense. But apparently, they released like eighty thousand units or something. They're gone. You can wow. find them on eBay for like ten, 10 grand. grand yeah, it's like okay. ridiculous. Yeah, I don't see doing that anytime soon. No, no, not at all. But that's a typical Apple move, though. They, unless, they price things super, super expensive. Unless somebody listening to the podcast was like, you know what? <laughs> hey, We're I've got donate. two. I've got two yeah. extras sitting yeah. around. And then, I mean, just think of how productive your pastors could be. <sighs> that would be insane. I can't wait to just try it. Yeah. I know. Yeah, at some it. point, you'll walk into. It's like the the Oculus. I've never tried those either. But same. It's like you see you walk into somebody's house. They've got that, and you're like, okay, yeah, I want to try it. Yeah. And then people like crash into their TV because That's they can't see where what's I going get nervous. on. Or, yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that. I, the plane use appeals to me as well. Like getting plane? on a plane, like an airplane. Oh, okay. And being able to like put it on, and then you're in an immersive environment. Oh yeah. That's so cool. that like if you were. If, I think about that. When we go to Israel, when everything calms down and we go like 17 hours to Israel or however, go, however yeah. long that is, after you've converted the people to your left and the right by sharing the gospel with them, then right. you can after sit that. back and, and put Marquez on on that headset and it's, you're on like a mountaintop while That's you're on the plane. Really cool. Yeah, yeah I, I could see that being an interesting use case. I, I mean, I, I, I'd like to know what the reading experience is like. Yeah. Like can I, if I read Kindle on that or something, like, would that be as fun and enjoyable? And then the eyes like glaring. That's the creepiest That's thing. That's super creepy. And, and, and even the FaceTime, they, they generate an image of your person. Right. And like, oh, it's just like in real life. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's terrifying. <laughs> no. It's Ter- the worst thing that Apple's ever done. That is the worst image of a person I've ever seen. I've Their never eyes worn. eyes are dead. Yeah. I've never worn cartoon pants in real life either. So, <laughs> Dude, Apple needs to kill that specific aspect. Right. Of it. That's terrifying. Right. Marquez was even talking about that in the review. He said. Dead eyes. It's the first thing that. Apple has released that he remembers there being audible laughter in the room when they showed that feature and, and, and like they're proud of it. Laughed. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the uncanny valley that, yeah. that sense where the eyes are basically dead. They look awful. They do. Because they're bigger, like they magnify. Yeah. They're it's not real. It's weird. It is very weird. It's weird. It's almost dreamlike. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Which a now, nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Pharaoh's dreams. Oh. Yeah. I see that. Did you see the spin? In the connection. I did see the spin in the connection. I guess it's like a joke. If you have to explain your transition, it's a bad transition. Yeah, I mean, if you if you did it if you did it more confidently, yeah, and you just spun into it and just started talking, I would have been I would have been impressed. Well, but now that we had to deconstruct it, yeah. in order to help others get on top of it, less impressive. But people listen to us because of the messiness. I think I think they appreciate just the natural rawness of our podcast. It's basically like going to an improv show, right. Every day about the Bible. Well, it's, it, it is helpful because, by the way, we don't script this if you're... <laughs> surprise! What? These Everybody's out there like, it? really? This is unheard of. Yeah, we don't script it. We don't trade notes beforehand or anything like that. We, we just, just open up our Bibles and talk. We hit go. And uh, it's helpful because it's good for your pastor to be able to think on their feet. Um, and it's fun. It's fun. It is it's challenging. So. Yeah, some days we do it better than others. So we acknowledge that. There are days that I go home, I'm like, man, I hope nobody emails me about that one. <laughs> yeah, chapter 41. Genesis, Joseph and Pharaoh now. So two years later, I mean, think about how long two years ago. Think about where you were two years ago. And uh, if you'd been saying to a guy, hey, remind Pharaoh that I'm here and I'm not supposed to be here because, uh, you know, it'd be great to get out of here. Two years. Pastor Rod, I don't think even two years ago you were planning on coming on a church plant. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I can't even, let me see. I, I can I, I can about my journal and tell you what I was doing two years ago. Okay, okay. here it comes. Uh, let's see here. Wait for it. My agenda. I call it, it was two years ago, 2022. 2022. Let's see wow. here. How was that two years ago? Uh, I was doing Hebrew. I was, I was doing my, my, uh, Hebrew at Southern. Yeah. I had some sermon prep on the schedule. Getting guttural. I see in. that. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't really see any other incredible markers. So it must have been pretty average day. Yeah. But two years pass. <laughs> and God, because God is working, even through the even through the waiting, God is working, right? I think that's a song or something like that. Anyways, two years pass and God is working all things. And God does, I believe, in this situation, give Pharaoh his dreams. We didn't really talk about that. Um, Pastor Rod, what should we do with our dreams? I, I go to sleep. I have this dream. It's a super vivid dream. And I wake up and I'm like, okay. I had this dream. It must mean something. Is that is that how we operate today? If not, why not? Okay, so I have two answers because I think one of them is the answer I'd give most people. And then there's the other answer that goes just a tad bit deeper. Okay. First answer is your dreams are your dreams. Uh, synapses firing and wiring. Who, who knows what's happening up there? It, your, your brain goes through a very interesting chemical bath as you go to sleep. And part of your brain clearing the table, as it were, is sending these weird images and, yeah. and creating these stories. So on the one hand, I, I wouldn't ascribe a whole lot of meaning to them whatsoever. On the other hand, I, 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 I mean, I preserve my dream. So if there's something that stands out when I wake up, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, I'll put this in my journal and who knows, you know, look at it 10 years from now and see if there was anything of that. I often think that subconsciously I am thinking things and feeling things that sometimes only my dreams can convey. So I don't, make sermons out of them, but I do pay attention and I yeah. say, oh, well, I wonder if I'm afraid of that thing. Or if I'm having a, you know, a pretty tense dream, it's a scary dream. I might wonder, is there something in my life, a sin issue that I'm mm. dealing with or someone that I need to resolve a conflict with? So on the one hand, again, I'm not building a church on it. On the other hand, I would say maybe it's telling me something that I need to pay attention to, but I, I don't make a big deal out of it. Okay. How do you handle those? Yeah. I, I, I probably give less thought to them than, than not. I don't remember very many of my dreams. Right. It's that, a, me neither. Which is why when I do, yeah. I feel, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to think about that. Yeah. 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 So I, I guess I, I, I don't give much thought to it until I come to passages like this. I'm like, oh man, like clearly these dreams are, are God given because of what it does for Joseph's life. And also because what of it, what it communicates about the future of, of Egypt. Right. But then is God still doing that today? I, I, I don't think he is. I don't think we should expect it. Right. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about, the voice of God, right? The, the audible voice of God. Are we going to hear the voice of God? Should we expect to hear the voice? And I would say it's the same thing on these dreams. I don't think God is giving you a dream that you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, okay, listen, we need to move to Alaska because Texas is going to be cut off from the world. <laughs> what do you do with those stories of Muslims in yeah. e the East, far East places that are unreachable where they're having these dreams about Jesus and yeah. they're finding these Christians. What do you do with those? Yeah. Again, I think the helpful thing for us as believers is to say, what is normative? In other words, what should we expect to be the normal operating principles with regards to these things? I, I am okay with the testimonies of God doing miraculous things, especially in some of these closed countries where you know, the Bible is not going to get in to the middle of some of these heavily influenced and, and heavily closed Islamic countries. And yet God has people in those countries that are part of his elect that he wants to save. Right. So how is he going to save them? Well, yeah, if he shows up as, as Jesus in the dream to this, to this Muslim and, and they walk away with a biblical understanding of the gospel and a need to repent from their sins and put their trust in Jesus, who am I to say, no, that's, that's not it. That's demonic. Right. Right. Um, but is that normative? Am I, am I going to tell our church, hey, you should go to sleep tonight and pray that, that Jesus shows up to you and talks to you? No, I don't believe that's normative. Because why? Because we have the Bible. We have God's word. And a lot of times we're not giving ourselves over to God's word enough to even sit there and say, man, I want more from God than I've already got. Right. I think the problem is let's get more into the word. If you feel like you're not hearing from the Lord enough, in up your up your Bible intake. Right. Um, that's not God's normal operating procedure. Right. 
And in particular, especially because I think I get nervous for people that are listening, thinking, oh, maybe my loved one will get saved apart from my praying for them, right. apart from my evangelizing them. What we're describing is unique, right. like one-off. It's the exception to the rule. Right. GT1s, we call them. Right. God thing one. This is God doing something out, out of the ordinary, suspending natural ways of doing things. Because Romans 10, right, says this is what the normative way is. How are they going to believe unless they hear? How are they right. going to hear unless someone preaches? How are they going to preach unless they're sent? Right. I mean, Paul doesn't say, well, just pray for a vision or a dream. He says, no, right. you got to go preach the gospel. You too. go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Go make disciples. Well, let's get back into the text. Uh, finally, <laughs> Genesis. But this we is in the text. Yeah, we are. Ish. So Pharaoh has these two dreams and the cupbearer goes, oh, wait a minute. I forgot. <laughs> what about that Joseph? dude? And so Joseph comes up. Joseph hears the dreams and, uh, and lays it out. And basically, it's going to come down to there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And Joseph says, you know what you should do? You should appoint somebody to govern the, the, the people, to administrate all of the affairs and so that we're ready for this. And uh, the, the answer then, the solution in verses 37 through 46 is Pharaoh says, great, Joseph, you do it. And so Joseph ends up in this position. He goes from, the, from prison, forgotten in prison, to literally the second in command over all of Egypt. If that's not God at work, I don't know what is. Uh, and in the process here, Joseph ends up with a wife, and then he has these two sons that are born to him that, that ultimately become Jacob's sons through an interesting procedure later on um, of adoption, whereas you have Manasseh and Ephraim. Ephraim is a significant name for you to hold on to in Israelite history because the northern tribes, this becomes the most powerful northern tribe, and it becomes a moniker that stands in for all of the northern tribes later on in the history of Israel. Verse 16, Joseph answers Pharaoh, it is not in me. I appreciate that. That's more yeah. humility coming out to show there. And then he says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Joseph is quick to deflect the honor and glory and instead point to God. I appreciated that. That shows his growth. And then notice again in verse 46, Joseph is now 30 years old. We've mentioned this before already. This is yep. a lot of time transpiring. Uh, Joseph is 30. That's a big three zero. That's a long time. He's, he was he was sent off by his brothers at age 17. So we've, we've seen quite a number of years here transpire. That's important to remember. God's doing work, but he's doing it on his timetable. Right. And even 30, man, <laughs> sounds, 30 is young still, right? He is. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, especially when you consider his age, I think he ends up being 110. That sounds right. When he dies? That sounds right. Yeah. So he's still got 80 years of life in front of it. It's a whole lifetime here. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he's young in his life at this point, and, uh, and God is, is, uh, is using him in a powerful way. So uh, that's chapter 41. Well, the, the famine is not just there in Egypt. And so the famine that comes after the seven years of plenty uh, hits Israel as well. And so here you, we flash back to, meanwhile, back in Israel, uh, you've got Jacob in chapter 42 with his sons, and, and they're running out of food. And it's become known that Egypt has food. But what's unique this time is um, God gives Jacob the, the blessing. Uh, it, well, I guess not at this point, but later on, God's going to give Jacob the blessing to go down to Egypt. But, but at this point, it's still very practical. God, uh, or Jacob rather, gathers his sons and says, you need to go buy us food in Egypt and then come back because that's where food was going to be had. Well, they go down there and, I, you know, there's, so, there's a lot of white space in this story too, just like with, with Abraham and Isaac. Just, you know, Jacob's response or, or is there, words joseph's response like joseph's surprised but like just i wish we could see it i wish we could put on our apple vision pro and see joseph seeing these guys walk up from a distance and be like wait a minute is that really who that is here and, it is yeah and they can't recognize here it, it is it's yeah. happening right right um so 
yeah, I mean, and, and Joseph provides a, a, a welcome, I guess, so to speak. Uh, they don't recognize him. And you might be wondering, well, how can he recognize them? But they, they not recognize him. Uh, Joseph had contextualized. Joseph had taken on the appearance of an Egyptian, probably by all uh, rights here. And so he has an Egyptian haircut. He's dressed like an Egyptian. He's still main, maintaining some of his Israelite uniqueness and the fact that he eats by himself, although that may have more to do with the Egyptians than it does him. Uh, but but Joseph doesn't look like the Israelites that, uh, that his brothers look like still. And so he welcomes them. They don't understand. He knows who they are. And he's like, okay, well, let's, let's have a little fun. And, um, and so he uh, begins to to toy with them a little bit for lack of a better term. And, uh, Reuben here st- stands up and, and as they're talking to each other says, you know, Hey, we, we did wrong. We shouldn't have done this. And it, it moves Joseph and Joseph starts to see, well, maybe they have a little bit of regret here and he begins to weep, but then he determines this, this plot against his brothers to see really have they really changed. And, uh, and then the brothers go back telling their father, Hey, we, we have food, but, uh, we need to bring our brother back if, uh, if we're going to get it because, uh, he wants to see our younger brother. So let's be clear here that what Joseph is doing is not simply toying with them, although it may seem like that on the surface. Right. That's fair. We would yeah. say that he's, he's, he's testing them. Right. He is not, he's not being vindictive. He's not trying to hold through his bitterness. He wants to see if they're changed. That's going to be important because if he's going to help them, he needs to be confident that they're not going to undo everything by trying to attack him or subvert his authority. Now, notice again, beginning of chapter 42, this is seven years after chapter 41 because they were experiencing all this plenty and he was storing it. In right. chapter 42, they're experiencing the famine part of that. So this is seven years later. Joseph is now 37 years old. Right. And this is 20 years after they had sent him into slavery. So this is a big turning point. And his brother showing up 20 years after the fact. I'm sure Joseph is still very hurt by this. You can see that by the uh, by the way that he responds. And now he's going to test him to make sure that they're not going to do something evil. Yeah. So, so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. One thought as, I, as we kind of wrap this up here, sin never makes things better, right? I mean, think about what Joseph's brothers did to him. That was, a, that was a wrong thing. That was a sinful thing that they did. I mean, that, that was an evil. It was a wicked thing that they did. And now, again, we are 20 years past that at this point, and they've probably long forgotten about that, probably assumed that their brother died somewhere in slavery, and, and they're, they're moved on. And maybe there's the occasional thought of him that that you know creates a little bit of guilt that shows up. But, but listen, here's the thing. It's found out with them. And, and you may be thinking there, and maybe you're looking at your life and, and there's sin in your life that you, you've got concealed or that you haven't you know, confessed and you're thinking, well, nobody knows about it. It may not be found out in this life, but the reality is God does know. And, and Christian, for you, it will be found out at the Bema seat. That, that which is said in private will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Um, and so sin is, is never something that pays off. And, and if it feels like, man, I've gotten away from, with it now, it's always going to be better that you bring it to the light, that you confess it, that you repent of it, that you get rid of it, because it is never a good thing. And here the brothers are brought face to face with their sin once again in a very, very, very direct manner. Uh, and we will be too, Christian, in front of the, the Lord Jesus at the Bema seat, or if you're an unbeliever at the, the great white throne on that final day. What level of confession and repentance is required. So I think about a Christian, mm. maybe it's 20 years ago, they did things and said things that they're ashamed of today. Right. And they maybe feel like Joseph's brothers and saying, man, I, I, I think about that 
do, should I go back to that offended party 20 years ago? Should I, and to what level? Uh, what level of repentance and confession is necessary to really have a clean conscience? Right, I, I think there is a, an appropriate triage here to, to say, okay, what, what is, where is the offense the greatest and what, where is the, the confession needed the most? And, and I think, um, I, I think most of the times we're going to fall into the camp of David when David says to the Lord against you and you only have I sinned. Um, that doesn't mean that we haven't offended others, but, but the first place that you need to make sure that confession has taken place is between you and the Lord that, yes. that bar none. So if, if there's sin that, that you've just kind of let kind of said, well, love covers a multitude of sins. I'm sure God's love covers that sin. I don't need to really name it and confess it and bring it before him. I would say, no, we, we need to be honest with the Lord. And, and again, like David, which is uh, just something I keep coming back to you say, Lord, try me, search me, know me, see if there's any grievous way in it. Well, when we become aware of those ways, the implication is that we're confessing them. That we're bringing the Lord saying, this was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. This was a sin. Um, it's a sin that Christ paid for on the cross. It's, it's, it's worthy of our confession if that's the case. If it comes to our mind and we feel like we haven't ever asked for forgiveness and sought forgiveness. Does that mean we're not forgiven if we die without confessing it? No, because God's, God's grace in the cross, if we're truly in Christ, has forgiven that sin. But it's the right thing for us to do. It's the humility. It's the, it's the responsible. It's the, the right thing for our relationship, our intimacy with the Lord to confess that sin. Um, and to, to say, I, I agree with you, which is what confession means. I agree right. with you. This is sin and I shouldn't have done it. And so forgive me. Does that mean you have to go back to that offended party and say, Hey, look, I know this was a long time ago, but I said this behind your back or I did this or I thought this, um, you, you know, it, it, I would say probably no. Right. And there's, there's situations too. Like, you know, there's been situations where guys have come in for counseling and been like, do I need to go to that lady in church that, um, right. You know, last week and, and tell her, Hey, I was check. Here's, here's my thoughts. Tracking. Uh, no, 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 nor do you, nor do you need to sit down with your wife and say, Hey, you know, here's my thoughts on, on that front either, but you do before you, between you and the Lord. And maybe if you have an accountability partner, yeah, go to that person and and talk with them. Today, it's popular to talk about forgiving oneself and for people with a really heavy conscience, they've been burdened by this or that sin that they committed years ago. Um, people today talk about, well, you just need to learn to forgive yourself and accept yourself and embrace yourself. On and on it goes. Um, talk to us about whether and how a Christian should do that, whether we should pursue something like that. Is, is that a biblical concept or is it a, a biblical concept that's been twisted to be something else? How do we wrestle with a really heavy heart? And yeah, I've done that, Pastor Peter. I've, I've asked for forgiveness. I still feel guilty. What's the next step? Yeah, I forget who it was. I was just looking for it, but one of the theologians in the past said that, or pastors in the past said, we shouldn't speak peace to ourselves before God does, um, which I think is super helpful. Uh, in other words, we shouldn't look to escape the feeling and the pang of conviction before we've let conviction had its its result and its its uh, its purpose in our lives. Um, when we feel that guilt, when we feel that that pain, when we feel that sorrow over our sin, if we have not truly repented, if we have not truly confessed that sin, if we have not truly sat in the weight of that sin, um, then I, I don't think we're, I don't think we have the right to look to, to salve our conscience, to soothe our conscience by running to the cross and be like, but I'm forgiven in the cross. So it's okay. So I can feel better about myself. Yes. You're forgiven at the cross, but the spirit's work in our lives is meant to produce those feelings, not to, to produce condemnation. Romans eight one, there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but there is conviction. There is a feeling of I'm wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm 
guilty of that. And what do we need to do with those sins? Well, we need to take those and confess our sin and bring our sin to the light with those things. So forgiving ourselves, we need to be careful that we're not forgiving ourselves without first going to the Lord and saying, hey, Lord, please forgive me because here's my sin and this is what I've done wrong. Someone says, yeah, I, I granted, uh, I understand I'm, I'm never going to be fully free of my sin and my guilt in, in, in this life anyway. Um, I do believe I'm a Christian. I bear the fruits of that Christianity, but there's just things I can't let go of. Things that I've said and done that I just, it keeps on replaying in my head. I can't let go of it. Um, yes, I resonate with everything you're saying. I own the fact that I sinned, et cetera, et cetera. Anything else that you might suggest for this person? Yeah, I think Paul's a great example for us. I mean, think of everything that Paul did. Um, and, and what did he do when he felt that? I think we see him wrestle with those things when he says, you know, he came to save me. I'm the, the foremost of sinners. Uh, when he says in Romans 7, wretched man that I am, you know, as he's looking back at his pre-conversion state potentially there in Romans 7, I, you know, I think Paul carried a lot of that. I think he's the one that writes Romans 8.1 because, man, he needed to preach that to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in those instances, I do think it's it's right for us to do the opposite of what I was just saying. And that is there are times that we do need to say, okay, that sin has been dealt with. That sin yeah. has been paid for. You are, your identity is not your sin, right? That's, there's a lot of recovery ministries that are out there, mm-hmm. um, even some Christian ones that say that, you know what, you as an alcoholic, you as a recovering fill in the blank addict need to always under, understand that that's part of who you are. You need yeah. to identify that way. And, and listen, that's, that's, that's contra the gospel, right? Romans five seventeen or for second Corinthians five seventeen. you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. So for you to continue to say, I identify by this sin, that this defines who I am flies in the face of the, the concept of grace and forgiveness at the cross. And so as hard as it is, your discipline is to continually go back and preach the gospel to yourself and remind yourself that your righteousness is Christ's righteousness and not your past track record or your future track record. It's the righteousness that you have in Christ and you are forgiven and made new in him. Man, what, what a helpful and nuanced answer. It seems like it's kind of one of those uh, pastoral pastoralisms where it's a, afflict the comforted and comfort the right. afflicted. Right, right, right. Uh, there's not a pat answer. So hopefully that answers some of your guys' questions. I know some of you were thinking that. So thanks for provi- providing that. Yep. Well, hey, keep reading your Bibles and tune back in tomorrow as we continue the saga of Joseph and his brothers. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.